Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about league-wide scoring. We actually did a segment like this last year about scoring going up, and good news, scoring is up again uh, this year. It's It's been kind of a good trend, and it's something we wanted for a long time. So just to give a little bit of background, uh, I think most people know that the 80s is known as the highest scoring time in NHL history. And that is true. So just to put some numbers behind that, uh, if you're looking just at league averages, hockey, especially during the original six era, became a pretty low scoring game, probably because it was all, you know, it was it was a really uh, exclusive club, only being six teams. There's only in the low 100, 120, that range of players. There's not really, mo- most great hockey players couldn't play there, even though, you know, that it was all Canadian and whatnot. But beside that point, Expansion helped scoring jump up kind of uh, pretty quickly throughout the early 70s. And by the mid-70s, you were at almost seven goals a game by 1974-75, which I believe is the highest scoring year in Sabres history. The NHL was at 6.86 goals per game, uh, which is pretty high. Uh, previously, right before that, it was in the in the high fives. So that continued to grow until the highest scoring season in NHL history, 81-82. You might know that as the season Gretzky scored 92 goals, 212 points. It was also the only time in league history the average was higher than eight goals per game, which is pretty crazy. And it was pretty high like that throughout the 70s. It was almost as high in 80, or sorry, the 80s. I mean, 85-86, it was almost, it was just under eight again. And that starts to fade a little bit. And by the 90-91 season, it's actually just under seven. And it goes down even uh, – well, sorry, it, it bounces back up, 92-93, a season very close to a lot of Sabres fans' hearts. Uh, the highest – we broke the goal record, the assist record, and the single uh, – the individual point record for the team with LaFontaine and McGillney. A lot of fun on those teams. They had a third 50-goal score that they traded. They had so many that they didn't even need Dave Andertruck anymore. That's a little sarcastic. If you've heard us in the past, they definitely needed him. Um, and then you have the – it, it drops definitely from there. And then you have the 94, 95, let's say strike lockout shortened season where scoring dropped below six goals per game for the first time since the sixties. It bounced back up the next year, 95, 96, which is an interesting thing. It, it went up to 6.28 goals per game that year. Uh, that's the year 95. You might remember the, the short, strike shortened year, lockout shortened year. 
the Devils win their first cup. And that's always kind of looked at as like a harbinger of what was to come. That Devils team was actually pretty high scoring, though. So my and some other people's take on this is actually, since scoring went up after the Devils won the cup, it's not really them that caused this, although they played a big role in it. 96. One of the biggest reasons scoring was up was the Pittsburgh Penguins, who finally had a healthy Mario Lemieux again to pair with an emerging, now in his prime, Yamir Yager. Uh, and they both had absurd seasons. And they were number one and two in scoring in the league. The, by far, the Penguins were the highest scoring team in the league, expected to go to the Cup and win the Cup. And they lost in the conference final. Not only did they lose, they lost to the Florida Panthers in their third year of existence. And I think that was a big thing because NHL teams look at New Jersey and say they play a good defensive system, but they score. And maybe you want to copy that. Maybe you don't. NHL teams saw the Panthers bullshit their way to a cup by playing kind of dirty. And apparently knowing full well the league wouldn't do anything about it for a long time. They just said, yeah, let's do that. And that's when you really start to see scoring drop like a rock after that. It goes to under five goals per game the next year. And then it's at like 5.2 within two years. Uh, and then it's all the way down. It basically continues to get really low, even though goaltending isn't that great yet. This is the bad part. It's the shots per game that are really dropping. So you get all the way to like, for example, in 0102, the average shot per team per game is 25. Sorry, 27.5. So the average team is taking 27 and a half shots a game. It's not a lot of shots. So what happens after that? You get all the way to 0304 and things are dire. For a lot of that season, the average game was less than five goals. It bounced up to the end of the season. Still, though, it was only 5.14 goals per game. And that was the low, and it remains the low. We all know there was a full season lockout, scoring rebounded, but that was almost entirely power play based. And that goes to like 0506, exciting Sabres team. But that, those couple of years, that's a, a lot of really power play based scoring. It was over six, it was 6.16 goals per game that year. And then things start to kind of drop again. Once the power plays start to drop and then that gets to the point where it's almost as bad as it was. And we've mentioned these years on here before 14, 15 at the top is the worst year, but it's pretty similar overall scoring rate to the other years around it. And 15, 16 is actually the lowest point for the second dead puck era. There's two stats. I want to point out with this one, 5.42 goals per game, very low, but more importantly, shots per game, not really that far down. They're up from where they were before. Here's the big thing. Hold scoring back. 915 league wide save percentage. Ooh. Two years in a row. So it went from, and this is a good example, folks, if we, if we go back to the 80s real quick. In the year I talked about, 81, 82, league wide save percentage was 873. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't, yeah, crazy. Everyone was Carter Hutton back then. Uh, and it didn't get to uh, 900 at all until the lockout shortened season, 95. And it didn't get it, the first time it was 910 was 0304 it was 911 drops again after the lockout but yeah it goes 901 905 909 908 911 913 914 yeah so about, it's 914 by 2012 and all of a sudden wow there's way too many good goalies and then things start to change which i think we can attest to this there wasn't really any big one big reason for this there's no big rule change there's no sudden um, burst of power play opportunities. In fact, power play opportunities have pre stayed pretty stagnant and they're way down from where they were after the lockout. So it's, it's, I guess there's multiple reasons we can get into, but what happened then? It goes up every year, 2.71, 2.77, that's team per game. So that's over five and a half. And then 2018, it jumps to almost six. And 2019, it actually does it. It's 
Last year got to 6.28. This year, like I said, 6.36 goals per game. So we're at about a goal extra per game from where we were in 04 and also close to where we were eight years ago. And to really drive home that point, I want to talk about the leading scorers this year versus the year, the, the biggest down year we talk about, 2014-15. Brenda, do you remember who won the Conn Smythe that year? Not the Conn Smythe. Jesus, the Art Ross that year? That would be the Jamie Benn year. Yes. 87 points. This year in the NHL, 19 guys had more than that, and William Nylander tied it at 87. So this year, not only did you have at the top the crazy McDavid 153-point season, you have his line mate, teammate, Leon, 128, Kucherov and Pasternak at 113, McKinnon at 111, Kachuk Robertson at 109, Rantanen, 105, Nugent Hopkins, 104, Elias Pedersen, 102, Eric Carlson as defenseman, 101, Mitch Marner and Jack Hughes at 99 each. Even Braden Point had 95. Uh, Tage Thompson at 94, and he missed four games. 35-year-old Sidney Crosby had 93 points. It's it's not that uh, outrageous to get 90 points anymore, and that was something for a little while. So there was another lockout in 2012-13, so obviously no one had 90 points that year. The next year, only Crosby did. The next year, no one did. The next year, only Kane did. And I believe the year following, that's 2017. That's when McDavid starts to come into his prime. He was the only one that had 90 points. He had 100. So you had these... This is a five-year stretch where there were three guys who had 100 points. This year, there were 11, just this year. It's it's uh, definitely turned around. So what I want to ask you, Brendan, is are we have we arrived, or do you think there's still work to do? Slash second part of the question, why did this happen? I'm, I think we're in a good spot with scoring right now. You know, for a while, it was just the numbers need to go up. The numbers need to go up. And there's a lot of reasons that we talk about that. It's the entertainment value of the game. I mean, obviously, scoring is going to drive interest. If you guys, if you have guys putting up gaudy numbers like McDavid did, obviously, 150 is absurd. But like you had mentioned before, 20 guys having as many or more points as the Art Ross winner less than 10 years ago shows that this is very clearly going in the right direction. When we talk about the fact that you had what, I believe there was two 60 goal scores this year to right. Yeah. McDavid at 64 and Pasternak at 61. And then the amount of guys too, that you had at 40 goals or more too. I mean, it's an expansive list. And so yeah, to your point, Brandon, if I could say real quick, yeah. In 14, 15 Ovechkin, obviously he always had 50 at 53. There were only three 40 goal scorers. It was him, Stamkos and Rick Nash. And there were only 15, 30 goal scorers. And how many were there last year for 40 goal scores? Uh, I believe the number is, I believe it's 15. I mean, there you go. Like that's, there's your, I could be mistaken. Right the one yeah. That's basically, that's a great point. Uh, I think it's, that uh, oh, sorry. It's not 15. It's 19. There you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> point proven even further then. Um, but I, I think that there's a few things that contribute to this. And it, it's kind of funny because when you and I had talked over the past couple of years about this and wanted to see scoring go up, there are a, a number of factors that we had said, well, hey, if you tweak this about the game or change this about the rules, maybe, you know, th- this will change and it'll improve. And we had talked about everything from increasing the size of the nets to the size of goalie equipment and stuff like that. But I think a, a key part of this is just the way that teams are playing combined with the fact that just historically speaking, like in any sport, as time goes on, players get better and the quality of the of competition gets better and so 
when you look at, you know, where we are right now in terms of like goalies across the league and everything like that, like there's a very clear upper echelon of goalies and then a bunch of guys who are replacement level. And when you look at players in the league and forwards and obviously like scoring among defensemen, the talent number just the, the talent just keeps growing and growing and the number of high quality guys that there are coming in every year goaltending it takes a lot longer for guys to develop and so you have these like mainstay guys who are going to be good for like a long stretch of time but with goalies it takes a lot of time to develop into that and so you then have a lot of teams while they're trying to figure out their goalie of the future they're you know putting band-aids on it which is how like cam talbot keeps getting jobs and how a lot of these guys again who are more run-of-the-mill like average goalies they keep hanging around but it's not like they're getting better. You know, these guys are getting moved a lot of times when they're 28, 29, 30. And so when you look at, again, like the talent level of some of the guys coming in and it it just year after year, you have this influx of, of young talent and combining that with the fact that a lot of the teams that are having the most success are playing a lot more up tempo style too. And I think you look at like the past handful of cup winners. I mean, you have a run of San or of, uh, of Tampa Bay there where Obviously, they're this very deep and talented team. You have Colorado winning. You have Pittsburgh winning. Um, You know, this past year, you have Vegas. And it's then you kind of put that in contrast to, I guess, the way that, like, teams were ideally being built, like, around the time with, like, 14, 15, like you're saying, with, like, Jamie Benn, because that's, like, the kind of, like, partially Kings and Bruins era of, like, bigger, kind of heavier teams that were really dominating at that point. So, I, yeah, I guess it's, you know, that's the long-winded way of saying. I think it's a, a combination of a few things. I think it's just, again, more high-end talent and, and skill, skilled players, young players coming into the league and being able to make an impact at a young age than that in turn kind of lending to their development path going a little bit quicker and them becoming higher quality players early on in their career. I think it's a lack of high quality goaltending. And I think it's, again, the way that teams are being built and the way that they're being coached to play systematically. I don't know. What do you think you attribute this to? I think it's a few things. Like you said, it can't just be one thing. So like goaltending getting worse is a real thing. Uh, that's part, so the end of the era, last era, it was a great goaltending era, one of the best ones ever. There's no real, maybe Lundqvist is a standout, definite number one guy, but there's so many guys that were gone so soon. It's Lundqvist, Luongo, Pekka Rene, uh, Tuka Rask, just kind of they were here and then they were gone. And you even mentioned Bavrovsky. Bavrovsky went from like, you know, a Vesna winner, perennial Vesna contender to uh, not even really being, I mean, not really reliable except for the playoffs this year were awesome. He's not the same guy he used to be, at least in a full season. That year we talked about 2015, Carey Price won MVP that year. He's the last goal to win the heart. Uh, and he was fantastic. But I'm looking at this and I especially see one other guy I want to mention real quick though, Braden Holpe, also great. Also no one, you know, no longer in the league. Ben Bishop's another one you could mention. But these this list I'm looking at, there was also just a better middle class because some of the great goalies were replaced by other great goalies. Hello Buxaro, Sorokin. Guys like that, Shosturkin, the guys we've mentioned, Ottinger is on his way there, I think. Carter Hart to some extent. But Carter Hart's more almost alone in this other group I'm talking about, which is like the middle class of guys who could be really good one year, but they're pretty solid. So like Corey Crawford, Corey Snyder, um, Cam Talbot. He also on here for save percentage that year is Devin Dubnik was second in save percentage. Guys like that who were just like, Craig Anderson's another good example. These guys just like, you had this other middle class, but now it just feels like you have this big drop off and you have a bunch of like Mac goalies and the market showed it this year. There's a recent Tristan Jari got the years and money that he got. 
I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not the goalie market it used to be. I don't know, if, but on the other Dan hand, Campbell goal- last year. Yeah, exactly. So it's I don't think it's just goaltending getting worse though. I think it's also like you mentioned there, guys are more skilled. And the reason is, is because they're actually taught to use their skill at a lower level now. Wayne Gretzky harped on this for years about how back in his day, coaches would be like, how can we score? And then it became, how can we top the other team from scoring? And Gretzky was, he said that he wouldn't be the same player if he can come up in this time. Well, now I think you are seeing more offensive minded coaches, or at least coaches who are not so conservative and risk-free, which is, which is good in another way. Power plays are better. I think you're really seeing some evolution in that way. Probably analytics help in some way. I imagine like I getting, agree. you know, your fourth line to not be a bunch of lunkheads, but guys that can go both ways and actually play hockey, even if they're not as talented as your top six. So there's a bunch of factors like that. We also do have to mention, at least to some extent, uh, expansion. And the reason expansion uh, increases scoring is not because you have some expansion team to beat up on. Obviously, that hasn't been the case. I mean, Seattle wasn't good their first year, but we now have eight total years between the two expansion teams. They've made the playoffs in six of them. And Vegas was on the doorstep the other year. They didn't make it. So it's not that it's that it basically brings down the overall talent pool because it increases it. So every team loses a guy basically to one of these teams. And then it's just a little, the word, the whatever your fourth line, your, your last pairing defenseman, it's a little bit worse. It creates new goalie jobs too. I guess if that matters a little bit, but it makes everyone a little worse. The bigger these things get, uh, it's basically the opposite of what I said earlier with the original six, like it expands a lot and then there's more scoring. That's basically how hockey's played. Like with the worst players are the more scoring you're going to get, which is a weird kind of way to put it, but it's, it's true. If you have really good and really skilled players, on the ice all the time, trying really hard, especially a couple of years ago, but even the case now you're going to have less scoring. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. You're not going to have a lot of McDavid is matched up against guy X who sucks kind of matchups. Uh, but the other thing is you might look at that and say, is why did, why did scoring drop like a rock in the nineties when expansion was going on? And I would say this, Brendan, if the NHL didn't expand, we would be dealing with a league where every game is two to one or worse. Like that's what would have happened at that point. Cause to, to people's points, the NHL went from 21 teams to 30 within, what was it, seven years? And scoring went down that whole time. And I think people kind of took the wrong lesson from that and felt like, oh, more guys, more of them suck, less scoring. But when more of them suck, there's actually more scoring. That's better for the skilled guys. So it just so happened that the way that hockey was played changed completely. Yep. And and I think we could also say this, that rule changes in 04, 05 lockout actually did help. It did change the game. Totally. Undeniably. Oh my God. Yeah. You, cause all those penalties were called year one and yeah, they stopped calling some and they let more interference go. And there's still a problem with that in some ways. And they still let guys get, you know, beat up too much. Cross-checking is barely a penalty called anymore. It you know, happens in every play, but God go back and watch a game from like when the Sabres were in the cup in 99 or watch any of that shit, watch th- that whole era from like 97 to 04. You just, you just to be able to, a guy's going by you. You just grab the back of his jersey and ride him. That used to happen. Like even watching Lemieux and Yager, there, there's no coincidence there that they were some of the biggest guys that kind of broke through. It's because they were too big and strong for guys to just grab onto. Large, yeah. Yeah, and Lemieux got hurt all the time still, but that was a different thing. Bad back. Backs are no joke. Uh, but yeah, I just think there's all these factors that they that really matter a lot. One, I believe that Michael Rodriguez, the stats guy, I don't know who he works for, but he's on Twitter. He pointed out a couple of years ago that coaches now 
don't play for overtime as much. So there's more scoring late in the game. So that's another one. That's interesting. There, there's I all will, these and I think factors. on that point, that's that's a reason too why I feel like a, a lot of people, myself included, would be in favor of doing a three-two-one point system. Take oh it, yeah, take it a oh, step yeah. even further. You know, absolutely. I'd be hundred percent on that. Yeah, that, I mean, every game being worth the same amount of points also makes sense. Well, do you feel like what? I mean, I feel like I like the spot that scoring's at right now. Like, if it goes up a little bit yeah. more, like, of course, I'm not going to be necessarily mad about that. I think that you know, in any era of the game, you can look at things that are like pros and cons. But ultimately, scoring being up from where it was and the entertainment value of games being up from where it was is a good thing. Do you feel like more needs to change? I would like to continue to get better in the area of calling penalties when penalties happen. Yeah. Power plays have gone down again. And it's not that I want a bunch of power plays. It's that I want to complete the transformation to not, not non-physical hockey. You still want hits, but non-interference hockey. And basically I think we're like 90% defeated clutch and grab and just get the other 10%. That's basically it. And I'm not even that worried about scoring, to be honest, in that case. I'm more, you know, looking for better hockey. So it wouldn't matter to me if, like, for example, goalies got good again and scoring went down a little bit. There's another really good generation of goalies. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I think a point someone's brought up. So, like, I listened to this podcast, Puck Soup. It's one of the more popular hockey podcasts. And they've talked about scoring going up. And Sean McIndoe, Down Goes Brown, one of the best-known hockey writers, I would say, the this uh, in these days at the athletic, he is a child of the eighties. So he's like this scoring is up. Yeah. But it, it's still from his point down guys of his generation say scoring is actually way down. Uh, and he brought up a good point because he has kids and he says he would want someday his kids to see a record broken. And that's just not possible at the moment. Even with McDavid, like all McDavid gets to do is like, wow, he was within 60 points of Crosby's best uh, point season. He actually wasn't even now that I think about it. He was within 60 something points. He's in this club, 150 point club with only a few guys now. Uh, But like, he's not going to break Gretzky's point record. He's not going to break Gretzky's goal record. Although he actually, we could see Ovechkin break the goal record anyway. That'd be cool. Uh, But anyway, to that point, I get what he's saying, but I also would say this, that perspective that a lot of people have, that's a limited perspective because a lot of hockey history now is less high scoring than that. I think right now, this past season, we're on the upper half of scoring. So that's one thing. And just in general, like if you came up in the 70s or 80s, you might think, yeah, this is low scoring. But if you came up uh, in like the 50s, this is relatively high scoring. The other thing I would say is you watch games from the 80s, any point, watch highlights from the 80s. One of the biggest reasons scoring went down is it went down before clutch and grab. It went down because the NHL became a real league. Not going to make any friends with boomers with this argument, but I'm sorry. The 70s and 80s NHL, even though it's super entertaining, it's a great product, was not as – the hockey quality pales in comparison to today's AHL. There's so many defensemen that couldn't really skate backwards. There's so much space on the ice. Watching Joe Bell Perot highlights, it's so great. And I wish I could have grown up in that time because there's so much space because everyone was so goddamn slow. That's one of the biggest reasons scoring continued to go down in like the 2010s. The ice stays the same size and everyone gets faster. This is why scoring went down in the NBA before the three-point revolution. Like Michael Jordan, his what he brought to the NBA more than anything is making it a lower scoring game because it was a guard-based game where everyone's athletic. Well, the court didn't get better, so there's less space. That's the exact same thing that happened in hockey. It's because everyone's faster. 
It, it, like you don't get the big gigantic open ice hits like you got in the 80s as much. What you get is you got no goddamn room. And things got have gotten better in that way, I would say, because the NHL has gotten so much better with um, scoring based, uh, being based on the rush and moving the puck back and forth a lot, which is great. But like that's we can't go back to the 80s. Guys no. are full-time players now. Guys in the early 80s and late 70s, they had jobs in the offseason. They worked at factories and shit. They showed up to training camp to get in shape because they had to lose their beer belly. They, you know, they drank draft beer, which I respect. All these things would apply to me too, except for working at a factory. I respect all of that. And they all like were done by the time they were 32 because because they're like, oh damn, I separated my shoulder. I'll fix that with a couple of Budweisers. And I respect all of that. But it does not make you a better professional. And I honestly, I would say this, and this is no one over 50 is going to listen to us again after I said this. That's why, like, the mid 70s Sabres, if you just took, put them in the time machine, the 74 75 Cup team, and had them play against, like, any of the bad Sabres teams we watched, they'd get destroyed. They of would just course. get annihilated. They're so, they it just, the speed of the game is people would have no idea what to do with it. Uh, they had a lot of hockey sense and they were great for their time. But, like, yeah. I also would say that's why things getting better isn't always better. I think you could make an easy argument. It'd be easier before the conversation we just had about scoring going up. But if I was making this conversation, let's say in like 2018, I brought this up and scoring was still relatively down at that point, five years ago. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, well, the NHL, the scoring is down. No one fights anymore. There aren't big hits. Players are all like kind of detached from, you know, regular life. It's not like the seventies or eighties when there were more regular guys. So how is this the fun thing when I could just, take a time machine to 1982 and watch a game where everyone is, you know, since everyone's kind of worse, there's way higher scoring. There's a huge differentiation between the best and worst guys, which is way smaller now. Yeah. And that's also a salary cap thing. I think with, with teams, with individuals, it's just, there's way a big, bigger talent pool with Europe and America and everything. And, but you go back, back then, like way more scoring, real fist fights, genuine animosity, big hits. You see a lot of cool stuff. So, so, I oh, mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, sometimes a bunch of people being worse at something can be more entertaining. Well, I think this, uh, I don't know necessarily if I'm trying to, like, further the point here other than this just being kind of interesting. But I think one of the things you can do also to look at the comparisons here, just in addition to, you know, like the uh, the the fully summed up numbers is looking at where guys today would rank in years past. And so for comparison's sake, like, let's say we were to compare the point leaders from the 2022-2023 season with like two other seasons like that were particularly higher scoring that you had mentioned before. We can do 92-93 and 85-86, which was the year that Gretzky hit 215. So let's go back all the way first. So for example, Connor McDavid, 153 points this year. He would be second in scoring in 85-86. Second is Leon Dreisaitl. He had 128 points this past season. He would rank fifth in 85 86 here's where the discrepancies really start to come into play Kucherov and Pasternak 113 points each tied for third in scoring this year in 85 86 they would be tied for eighth in scoring 92 93 for example then McDavid would be second again obviously Lemieux leads the way with 160 points then Dreisaitl 128 points he would rank seventh in scoring this year uh, and 92, 93 Kucherov and Pasternak at 113. They would be tied. They're tied for third this year. They'd be tied for 11th. Wow. In 1992, 1993, there were over 20 guys 
92, 93, who had over a hundred points this year, there was 11. Yeah. We're not, we're not quite to 92, 93 yeah. level, but I think we pretty much are at a 95. But we're trending in the, I, I guess I'm just saying like, we're trending in the, in that direction. And yeah, I guess more than anything in terms of like comparing this past season with those years, I think it more so just speaks to like w- how bad things really were. Like if we were to do that exercise with like 14, 15 or really any of the years past any of the years between, you know, like throughout the 2010s, it would be even more of a discrepancy than what we're seeing with last year compared to those years. So I think we're headed in the right direction and it's working right now. So that that's yeah. at least where I stand on it. Yeah. I agree with that. And I also would say um, an interesting thing when we look back at this, because McDavid had 150 points. I think there's a lot of people that think in the 80s, just everyone did that every season. Everyone had 150 points. Uh, but it is kind of forgotten that that wasn't the standard. Like you just mentioned those guys having between like 100 and 130. Yeah. A lot of guys did that. A lot of guys maybe you wouldn't even be that impressed with. But the 150 is kind of a sacred number. It's why McDavid's mm-hmm. season – genuinely was the best season I would say of any position since the turn of the century, because that's in hockey history. That's not something people didn't just do that in the eighties. In fact, before he did it, only five guys did it. Uh, two of those guys did it like more than five times each. You can imagine who those two guys are. Gretzky and Lemieux. Do you know who the other three guys are? Mm, Yager. No, he had 149 once. Damn. Uh... He was close. We've had 150. I mean, I, I could just throw some guesses out there, but do you want to tell me? Why don't you throw a guess out there? I, you're not going to get one, but you might get the other two. I think you just got to think about the best players, think of the era, and think of goals. Are these all 80s guys? Uh, 170s. One, I believe one season in the 70s. They all did it once each. 170s, one late 80s, one early 90s. One late 80s. But this late 80s guy, you probably think of as a 90s guy. Okay. Stevie Y, Steve Eiserman? Steve Eiserman, baby. Yeah, he had 155-point season. Okay. And then there's one – you said there's an 80s and 90s and then a random one? Well, Eiserman's the 80s. Yeah. Early 90s is the random one. The 70s one is, I think, fairly straightforward. It was the point record at the time. He broke the single-season point and goal record, this guy. Guy Lafleur? No. Uh, he was the first guy to get 60 and the first guy to get 70. Uh, would this have been like early, early 70s? No, mid 70s, I would say. Had 150 points? Yeah. Who the hell would it be? I don't know. Like, Phil Esposito? Yes. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> the other one, third guy is actually, shouldn't even be on the list, but he is basically on the list because he was Wayne Gretzky's line mate. In LA, Bernie so, Nichols. Bernie Nichols, yeah. Wow. Wait, what year was the? Uh, hold on. What year did Esposito do it? Uh, let me see here. He had a couple big years. He couldn't have been in the mid because I. That's. He. Oh, you know what? It was seventy seventy one. It was earlier than I thought. Oh, okay. Esposito led the league in goals six straight times. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know this because scoring went so crazy in the eighties. The goal record used to be fifty. Uh, Richard was the only one who had 50 and I think Bobby Hall also had somewhere in that range mm-hmm. and then Esposito had this is this shows how crazy season was in 69-70 he led the league with 43 goals the next season he led the league with 76 oh my god 
Yeah, he had jump. 76 goals and 76 assists, and then 66, 55, 68, and 61. So pretty good. That is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor. Uh, yes, Bernie Nichols. That's that's the one that always kills Bernie me. Nichols. So Mc, McDavid's in there now. Connor McDavid and Bernie Nichols, two of the best. That's what I always say. Uh, do we want to hear a word from our sponsors here before we get into a little bit of trivia? Yeah, we do. Folks. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Text up and y at 467-369 in Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. Partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling at 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus select requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. And, folks, our second sponsor, who also brings us this podcast today, is Thin Man Brewery, located on Chandler Street. And also, like we always say, located in all your local grocery stores and in your heart, in all of our hearts. So not much new to add. You know, it's just pretty much the same stuff going on over there at Chandler. They got good beer. I believe they still on tap will probably have the Minky Lizzie, which, as we mentioned before, is a a collaboration with DACA Beer Garden in Washington, D.C. It's a raspberry sour ale, 7%. And it's obviously a variation of the Minky Boodle, which... Is a been a, a multi-year sensation. All of Western New York people love Minky Boodle around here, and this one, and though in particular, uh, raises money for Insight Ukraine, a Ukrainian human rights organization that supports the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus community, and that's at Chandler Street. You can find that. No four packs. You got to go drink it there yourself. But also, folks, at Chandler, you got all your staples are there. Minky Boodle, like I mentioned, Pills Mafia. All the great stuff. Trial by Wombat, Super Freak. All the great stuff over there. In addition to a great menu, pizza. We love pizza in this community. And uh, yeah, people are saying Super Freak was recently voted the best IPA in Western New York. Wow. Secret vote. Patriots only. I conducted it on Facebook. But (laughs) How many people participated? That's classified. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, great stuff, as always, at uh, Thin Man Brewery. Brandon, do you have anything to add? Nothing more than we always say. Make sure you're stopping into Chandler Street, and make sure you're also following them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you check out their website, too, thinmanbrewery.com, to keep up with all the great stuff they have going on, all the events that they have coming up over at Chandler Street, and to keep up with all the great announcements that Thin Man has for their upcoming initiatives. That's about it. Taylor, do you want to get into a little bit of trivia? I do. I, uh, quiz you I, first? My quiz is based on what we talked about. Oh, all right. Well, let's do it then. All right. So, folks, like we mentioned there, 2014-15 NHL season, big yikes, low scoring. But 
that means that there were a lot of guys who had pretty similar point totals uh, who led their teams in scoring. And it wasn't that long ago. So, Brendan, can you name every team's leading scorer? Of all time? No, no, no. That season. The 2014-15 season. God, I guess I can try. Sure. (laughs) All right. We'll start out with an easy one. Buffalo. That was a fun year we all had. 2014-15. A lot of yelling. Tyler Ennis? Correct. Tyler Ennis with 46 points. Oof. Uh, Boston, who did not make the playoffs that year. A big surprise. Boston, 2014-15. Um... Patrice Bergeron? That's correct, with 55 points. Detroit, still on their playoff streak at this point. All right. Who would be leading the way for Detroit then? Uh, Let's go with Datsuk. Oh, close. It's his good friend, Hank Zetterberg. Ah, damn. All right, Florida. Similarly, not very good at this point. The Florida Panthers in 14-15. That is just like the 2014-15 Florida Panthers is just I, I don't even I don't even know who it could be. Ole Jokinen. I was just about to say. I mean, Huberdo had been around for a, uh, for a little bit at that time, right? Let's go, Jonathan Huberdo. Correct. Fifty four points. Wow. Was that his rookie year? Mm, no, twenty. The lockout shortened season was his rookie okay. year. Thought so. He, uh, their all-time leading scorer. Wow, good for him. I did know that actually. Yeah, Montreal division-winning Montreal this year. Montreal, um, the hard trophy winners on Montreal, but it was not their leading scorer. Oh, the Carey Price years. So I'm gonna go Max Pacioretty. Correct, sixty-seven points. Deck. Tampa's a tie, so you can say one of two guys. Uh, Stamkos? Yes, him and Tyler Johnson each had 72 points. Okay. Tampa Bay was, like, really good that year and went to the Cup. Their leading scorers had 72 points. That's crazy. Toronto, they were not good. Hmm. What a shame. Who on the Leafs? I want to say, like, is it Phil Kessel? It is. 61 points. Sick. Uh, That was when he was traded that summer. Oh, interesting. Steal for the the Penguins. They win two cups. Toronto gets like a first and uh, what's his name? Back in a trade. Casper Kapanen. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Steal for the Pens. All right. You got Carolina. Mm. Bad. bad I do do not care. Um, Eric Stahl. Yep. Okay. 54 points. New Jersey. The Devils. This is a theme, but the Devils were also bad this year. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think because Parise, I think, is gone by this point, right? He's in Minnesota. Yeah. This is his third year in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, God, who would even... How bad are we talking here? Are we saying like below 50 points bad? Bad. I can tell you the point total. It's 43. Oh, yeah. It's worse oh. than Ennis. Below uh, Tyler Ennis. Active, but I would say this. Active player? Oh, let me check. I think so. <laughs> That's a great question. I have a guy in mind if it is, but if not, I am going to be so hopelessly lost. 
Uh, yeah, this guy is active. Adam uh, Henrique. It is. Wow. Oh, I had to check. He Dude. 38 points. Yeah. Yeah. He had uh, 43 that year. He wasn't much worse this year at 38 for Anaheim. Uh, I did not know. I was, I, I didn't not know. I just was not certain that he was still around. Yeesh. Okay. All right. Well, we're on to the New York Rangers. The Rangers. Oh boy. I, off the bat, first guy that came to mind is Rick Nash, but I don't know if he's there that year. I want to say he is. I want to say Rick Nash. So he he came to my heart first. Is it Rick Nash? It is Rick Nash. Damn. 69 points. Nice. The Islanders. Oh, boy. Is this an obvious one? I think it's pretty obvious. Islanders. Why am I just blanking on who would be a guy for them? Oh, uh, John Tavares. Yes. Okay. Yeah. People uh, might remember that he actually obviously uh, had 86 points. He was leading the league until the final night of the season when Jamie Ben passed him. Wow. Pittsburgh. Sid the kid. 84 points. Uh, Washington. Ovechkin. Yes. Classic Ovechkin season, 53 goals, 28 assists. Hell yeah. Love to see it. Don't pass the puck, King. Philly. Ooh. Um. Hmm. What was Ovechkin's shoot? Do you know, happen to know what his shooting percentage was that year? Mm, I could look. Quickly here. Let me see. Why do you ask? Just because he had to have been the only 50 goal scorer, right? Yes. He, yeah. Like I said earlier, it was him and the Nash and Samco's had in the low 40s. Okay. He shot 13.4%. Interesting. I was just wondering, just considering again, like with scoring being this low, what his, uh, his clip was at. I mean, that makes sense, though, considering. Want to hear something uh, absurd? What's that? He took 528 shots in 0809. Holy shit. Yeah, that's like seven shots a game, right? Good for him. All right, Philly we're on? Yeah. Claude Giroux? No, he was second. It's actually Jacob Voracek. Oh. He had 81. No way. Did he play all 82? Did he? What? He used to be good. I mean, I know that. I just, I guess I'm surprised that he uh, outscored Giroux. Yeah. All right. I wonder if Giroux got hurt that year. But yeah, he was really good for a little bit. Um, Columbus is next for checks old team. God. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Drew was healthy the whole year too. I feel like, I feel like for Columbus, I want to say like, I want to say Ryan Johansson, but I don't, Either like him or maybe like Felino. Uh let's go Nick Felino. Correct. 73 points. Boom. What did Real you know quick. what Johansson had out of curiosity? Uh he was right behind him because I right saw him on the okay. list. Yeah, like 72. Uh so Voracek having 81, Drew had 73 in a full season. I think I could give you two thousand guesses. You would not guess who was third on the Flyers in scoring. 
In fourteen fifteen? Yeah. <laughs> Is it a name that like I definitively know? Yeah. Mike Richards? No, he no, was he uh, there actually. Yeah, he was gone by that point. He was out of the NHL, I think, because of his uh, whole snafu at the border. Uh, I'll just tell you. Who? Mark Strait. What? <laughs> at 52 points. I didn't know Mark Strait played for the Flyers. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I do. I remember him being there. I just don't remember him doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he was there longer than – oh, my God. He was there for three and a half years. I don't remember any of that. Wow. God, the Flyers, man. Vince LeCavalier, LeCavalier was here. Uh, Wayne Simmons. Rough times. Michael Delzato, Matt Reed. Umberger was back. Luke Shen. Andrew McDonald. Oh, the other Andrew McDonald. Sorry, the bad one. Carlo Koliakovo. And then Steve Mason, 928 save percentage. Uh, his backup, wow. backup Ray Zemery is uh, no longer with us. RIP, King. All right, so. Moving on to the Western Conference, Colorado. It was only the East, Jesus. All right. Um, It's a tie, by the way. You can guess one of two guys. 14-15? Yeah. Landeskog? Yeah, it's one of them. Okay. Uh, He was tied with Aginla with 59 points. Jerome McGinley, get out. Yep. Good for him. Dallas. Hmm. I wonder who it could be. Maybe, unfortunately, it's a a guy who, uh, he knows a little something about receiving, but not about giving back. We'll put it that way. Yeah. uh, His scoring rate really went down after this, but not a lot else did. Yep. Definitely not him. Yeah. Jamie Benton. Yeah. That's right. Also, fun fact, they had the uh, league leader in points per game, Tyler Sagan. Oh, Higher wow. points per game, but he missed 11 games. Interesting. Minnesota. Minnesota. Ooh. Uh, okay. Zach Parise? Correct. 62 points. Cool. Winnipeg. Um, I feel like the obvious answer would be Blake Wheeler, but I don't know. Um, yeah, let's go Blake Wheeler. Good guess, but it's actually Andrew Ladd. Ah, uh, Nashville. Hmm, this is an interesting one. Who would be good at Nashville at 14 15? Because Nashville wasn't particularly great at this time, I want to say. Yeah, uh, they lost in the playoffs, I believe. Oh, they made it to the playoffs, though. Yeah, that year, I think they lost to Chicago. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, boy. Um, Can you tell me if this answer is a guy who's still in the league? He's in the league. Philip Forsberg? That's correct. This is rookie year? Uh, No. No? This rookie year was a couple years before that. He's got to be close, though, right? He couldn't. Probably his second year. Okay. Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. I feel like there's like a few guys this could potentially be. Like something. Um, like I feel like Bacchus this is, is still all right at this point. 
By the way, this is actually technically Forsberg's rookie year because he actually he did oh, 13, 14, but he still counted as a rookie. Fourth oh, in cool. Calder voting. Good for him. Yeah. I don't know who's ahead of him in Calder voting. That's crazy. Oh. I see. Who was it? Ackblad, Stone, and Gaudreau. Oh, gotcha. All right. Uh, St. Louis, I feel like Bacchus is coming to mind. I know Alex Steen had a couple of good seasons in the mid-2010s. Tarasenko, obviously. Uh, Tarasenko, probably, right? Tarasenko, 73. Yeah. Arizona. God. Uh, Shane Doan? Oh, man. It's uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. Ah. Chicago. Ooh, it's got to be Kane or Taze. Um, oh, God. Let's go Taze. Correct. 66 points. Pat Kane was actually hurt. Oh. The second half of the year. He was way ahead of him and got hurt in February. Oh, no way. Yeah. Huh. Ottawa, because I forgot to put them earlier when I was writing this stuff down. They're forgettable. Very forgettable, but it's got to be Carlson, right? Yep, 66 points. Okay. Edmonton. Oh, boy. Edmonton. I mean, they're pitiful at this time. Mm. Would this be... Maybe Haller Eberle or RNH. How about Eberle? Correct. 63 points. Oh, yeah. Eberle. Uh, the Kings. Kopitar? Correct. 64 points. Cool. Big disappointment that year. They missed the playoffs. Uh, obviously, no Vegas and Seattle. So moving on to Calgary. Oh, God. Who the hell would be good on Calgary? Um, was Calgary a playoff team this year? They were. They won a playoff round. Oh, wait. You mentioned him that he was in the top. Johnny Hockey? Was it Goudreau? No. This guy had 76 points. Still in the league? You know him. You know. You know him. You love him. It's Yuri Hudler. Oh, my goodness. Wow. A king among us. Yeah, that, that was... If you can believe it, based on that, that was the year that everyone was like, oh, they're going to definitely regress. And they did after the playoffs. That was one of the worst matchups of all time, I remember. It was because the Pacific was so bad. The mm-hmm. two was Vancouver and three was Calgary. And that was like the Sedins running on fumes, older Ryan Miller. Not yep. a lot going on there with the Vancouver team. And then it's yep. uh, the Calgary team. Yikes. Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, just looking at this now, Yuri Hudler. After this, he went from 76 to 46 points to 11 to never played again. Gone, but not forgotten. <laughs> Maybe both. Um, <laughs> Vancouver. Uh, one of the Sedins. Daniel. Daniel. 76 points. Okay. San Jose. Pavelski. Yeah, 70 points. Okay. Anaheim. Boo. Uh, this has got to be a Getzlav or Perry, right? Like, 
Perry, Corey Perry. Oh, Getzlav. Oh, 50, 50 shot, but you got 25 out of 30. So that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Good numbers. Okay. Are you Especially ready getting uh lad. I thought lad was going to be the one that, or so you didn't get lad. I didn't know. Oh, what, which one did you get that? I thought was going to trip people up. Well, Taze for one. Oh, Eberly. Yeah. I thought for sure you would have guessed uh, the bum Taylor Hall. I know. Well, are you ready for yours? Yep. As we're talking about scoring throughout the years, thought what better way to tie it back into the Sabres than to quiz you on the top 15 point scores against the Sabres all time. This is going to be a difficult one. So I figured (laughs) what we can do to make it a little bit easier is that as we go through, I will not necessarily in order or we couldn't order if you want. Um, or actually, yeah, we'll do it in order. We'll go from 15 to one in order and I can tell you the team name, but I thought first, before we do that though, if there's any guesses that you want to take ahead of me telling you teams, I will allow you to do that to get them off the board. Well, okay. I'm trying to think of it's played in the division against the Sabres played for a long time, but the division thing is all my changes all the time. Division a long time, seventies and eighties would help. So I'm going to say a name from earlier. Off the bat, because I think it could help, but I might be wrong. Phil Esposito. Incorrect. Oh, wow. What about, God, were we in their division or not in the 70s? I'll put it this way as a clue for you. Yeah. While you should think about divisions, you should also consider guys just like scoring a lot. Is this goals or points? Points. Points. Okay. Uh, Gretzky. (laughs) Yes, correct. Yes, he is. Yep, he is. Oh, it's ridiculous. One, two, three, four, five, six. He is seventh. He didn't play in the same conference for most. Fifty-five games, eighty-three points. That is. Is Crosby on here? He is. He's right behind him. Fifty-six games, eighty points. What? (laughs) That's insane. I bet the Gretzky one's really brought down by the Rangers era, though. Mm -hmm. When he actually was playing the Sabers. Okay, so one guy. I think beat the Sabres in the playoffs a good amount, but I don't know if they played as much in the regular season. Mike Bossy? No, incorrect. I should guess Lemieux. Lemieux is in the same conference. Lemieux is just on the outside. He's 17th. Mm, if only he could stay healthy. Uh, Yager was always in the same conference. 40 games, 70 points for Lemieux, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Is that a no on Yager? Uh, no, Yager is number three, actually. 91 games played, 109 points. Okay, so based on a lot of points logic, I'm just going to say Messier. Messier is correct. He's right behind Crosby, or he's tied with Crosby. (laughs) Also 80 points, but in 73 games compared to Crosby's 56. Wow. Good Lord. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. The high scoring guys we said. So you correctly guessed Yager at number three. You have uh, Gretzky, Crosby, and Messier at seven, eight, nine. And I think that's it. You only have those four right now. Well, one that I should definitely guess, because he was pretty much always in the same conference and hit a lot of points, is Ron Francis. Ron Francis is number one, 114 points in 128 games. Wow, that makes sense, though. He's around for so long. But that's a lot of games. He wasn't in the division ever, was he? Oh, were the Whalers in the Sabres division? Uh, they may have been, actually. Yeah, that's before my time, but that makes sense, actually. Keep thinking about the divisional stuff, and you'll get number two, who also played 128 games against the Sabres. Matt Sundin? He's not number two, but he is on the list. Sundin is number 15. 
Okay, division. He wouldn't have this, this many points, though. Okay, so division long term. Well, hmm. what about Ray Bork? Ray Bork is number two. Yes, 128 games, 113 points. Wow, we couldn't stop Ray Bork. Couldn't stop him. Okay, so we have the Bruins guys. Unless Cam Neely is also on there. Cam Neely is not on there, no. Okay. Do you want, do you want a really uh, a good hint to potentially knock out a few guys? Yeah, sure. You are looking at three Quebec Nordiques. Three Quebec Nordiques? Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> That's too many. Uh, what is that guy's name? Goulet? Yes, Michael Goulet. 100 wow. points, 84 games. He's number four on the list. Number five is also a Quebec Nordique, and number 10 is a Quebec Nordique, too. Uh, did they play for other teams, too? They like, did. They both did. Guy Lafleur? Guy Lafleur is on the list. He's number 11. Ooh. So he was a Nordique, too, at one point after the Canadians, I believe. I, you're right, actually. So there was there, God, there are damn, still this two is more. too many Nordiques. I didn't even realize that. Yep. Oh, man. I always forget how close Quebec is to us. <sighs> okay. You want me to start giving you the hints now? Well, what about Lindros? He was a, a Nord. Well, he wasn't really, though. I'll just guess him anyway. Lindros is not among this list of top 15, no. Uh... Nordiques, what man? What the hell? I don't know anyone. I Come don't on, think I yes do. you do. Yes you do. Is there a good one that I should know? Yes. Is it Joe Sackick? It is Joe Sackick. Oh, okay. Sixty-four games played, seventy-five points. Okay. Is the other one Peter Forsberg? No, but you had the first name right. Peter Stastny. Peter Stastny is number five. Seventy-eight games played, ninety-two points. Wow. So you're yeah. missing number six. You are missing number 15. You are missing 13 and 12. 6, 12, 13, 15. I said Sundin incorrectly as number 15. He's number 14. So, yeah. Okay. Six. All right. So, we can go through this here. Uh, number 15, he did play for a team in the Sabres division for a bit, but he also played for a very famous Anaheim Ducks team. Ooh, okay. Uh, well, famous Ducks team. Mm-hmm. It was actually be... his only season as a Duck. Only season as a Duck? Yep, he was a key piece that they added ahead of the 2002 Adam Oates? season. Adam Oates, that is correct. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. He's number 15. Um... <laughs> Number 13 is just a, a, a saber killer from back from our, our adolescence. And okay. So I'm thinking there's multiple of those guys from our adolescence and youth. They were teammates. I'm thinking flyers. You are thinking incorrectly. Oh, okay. Sabres killers. Well, one guy is a flyer actually there. So number 12 is a flyer, but number uh, six and 13 are the teammates and they are not flyers. Okay, is the flyer LeClaire? No. You're right in the ballpark, though. Recky? 
Yes. Okay. And the other two are unfortunately. The other two are teammates. Yep. Saber killers from our adolescence. That could be mm-hmm. the stars. Taylor, come on. Well, also the flyers. Do you consider us anyone. being? Do you consider us being like six and seven years old? Our adolescence. The stars. Oh, that's a good what point. Are you talking about. <laughs> Should I pay attention to the English language more? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it could be the Hurricanes. So one could be Brendan Moore. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Not the Hurricanes. Divisional. Boston. Nope. Taylor. Oh, Ottawa. Yes. Alfredson and uh, Spezza. Correct and correct. Yes. There Daniel. we go. All right. So the full list in order. I don't like that. We split with Ottawa. Well, when they played against us, though, they were good. Oh, those guys are good. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So here's the list in order then for reference. Number one, Ron Francis, 114 points. Number two, Ray Bork, 113. Yager at three. He has 109. Michael Goulet, four, 100. Then Peter Stastny at 92. Daniel Alfredson at 89. Gretzky at 83. Crosby and Messier at 80. Sackick and Guy Lafleur, 75. Mark Recchi, 74. Spezza and Sundin tied with 73. Adam Oates, 70. Well, he's actually technically tied with a few guys there, but I just counted Oates because, ah, uh, well, Lemieux is, uh, they're tied. I guess I, I didn't realize there. I thought that uh, Oates had fewer games played against us than Lemieux, but that is not the case. But tied with 70 points is Adam Oates, Mario Lemieux, Kevin Deneen, and Marcel Dion. Well, I never would have got Deneen, but Dion, that's an interesting well, Esposito actually is uh, right outside of that too. He has 69 points, so. How many games? 51. Wow. Yep. Lemieux, 40, 40 games played, 70 points. That's that is something. Yeah. Good lord. Nicely done, sir. Thank you. I mean, you didn't ask about Deneen. Um, I don't know. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah, I have a TV show recommendation actually to switch it up a little bit. Have you watched Shrinking? No, is it on Apple? It is on Apple TV, yes. I don't have one of their telephones. So. It is great it is a i really really enjoy the show it's with harrison ford and jason siegel um cast is really good like interesting story it's essentially about harrison ford is like the head of uh their therapist it's jason siegel um harrison ford is the one who like runs the practice and i'm totally i'm the worst and i'm forgetting the uh the lead actress's name in it uh let me find that out right now jessica williams so the three of them are the three leads on it, but it's a really great show. It's about them just being therapists and Harrison Ford's practice, all of their like interweaving personal lives and everything. And a lot of it too is about grief. Uh, the premise of it is Jason Siegel's wife passed away like a year ago. And so this is a year after her passing and he's just been like checked out. And so it's him kind of like getting his mojo back. He's a father in it too. And so there's that whole component of it, of him like showing up for his kid again. And it's a really good comedy highly recommend good character development as the, as the season goes on. Um, Harrison Ford is just, I know I'm obviously very biased just because I love Harrison Ford, love star Wars and everything. He is just so funny in it. So charming, really, really great performances all around. So I highly recommend checking out shrinking on Apple plus TV. What do you got? I saw, I went to the movies three days in a row this week. I saw Oppenheimer, Barbie, mission impossible, dead reckoning part one. Are you all recommending bangers. all three? All three. Recommended them all, folks. What a, what a weekend it was at the movies. I probably spent, God, what would that be? Like eight hours total at the movies? Maybe a little bit more Atta than boy. that? What a weekend that was, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were all good. It was a good time. This is the probably the biggest weekend for movies, box office-wise, since, I don't know, probably Endgame. 
Yeah, that I would actually be curious to know how that stacks up. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll see when the numbers come out tomorrow or Tuesday. But yeah, it could be interesting. Also, here's a question for it. Do we want to do a mailbag on the next episode? Yeah, that'd be great. Let's put something out there. We'll get some questions. I think that'd be wonderful. Great All right. Question. So if you're if you're still listening, send us a question on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, but preferably Twitter or Instagram. Yes, please. Yeah. Definitely. Or email us at straightupsabers at gmail.com. Look at you knowing the email. Proud of you. Or text Brendan at 716. <laughs> you just insert a bleep right there. Just a yeah. long bleep. Good. Good. All right. Well, if there's nothing else that we'd like to say, then Taylor. Thank you for your wonderful face on this lovely Sunday afternoon. And thank you all for listening to us on this Monday morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever it is you're listening to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're following both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And again, before you close out of this episode of Straight Up Sabres and whatever your preferred streaming platform is, make sure you're following or subscribe to us and leave us a nice little rating or review as we'd very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our great, wonderful sponsors that we love so very dearly and DraftKings Sportsbook. And make sure you're using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And Thin Man Brewery, check them out online on their website or on social media and make sure you stop by Chandler Street to enjoy all of the wonderful beer that Thin Man has. Taylor, do you have something to add? The Leafs gave Samsonov $3.55 million. Did they really? For how many years? I believe it's one year. One year? Okay. Interesting stuff. Well, maybe maybe the Sabres will have some news at one of our upcoming podcasts. That'd be really nice. I wouldn't hold my breath. Well, me neither. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres.